0: Today, on Wine Access Unfiltered.
1: I was at a store, and this guy, we're waiting in line, he goes, where do I know you from? I go, I had a special on Netflix. He goes, no, 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 no. And so I just kind of listed all my, all my <laughs> resume topics that somebody see. He goes, you work at Geek Squad? I was like, fuck it. I'm never talking about this shit. Oh. I'm never, <laughs> never again. Again, again,
0: again. Welcome to the Wine Access Unfiltered podcast. I am so thrilled, tickled, Excited, D, all of the above, to be here with you, Vanessa, today because we are talking to my favorite genre of guests, a comedian.
2: Yes, and I have to say, you are more familiar with Steve than I was, and you introduced me, and so I've gotten to know his comedy. I'm so excited to talk to him today.
0: Vanessa, I'm a fan. I'm a straight up fan who slid into his DMs and was like, please be on our podcast. That is legitimately how we got him on here today. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's how things happen. <laughs> this podcast. <laughs> drink with us.
0: <laughs> yes. Come drink wine and talk to me. Uh, no, Steve is awesome. I actually met him for the very first time while he was at press with none other than Vince Vaughn and Peter Billingsley, which at the time I was like, what do these three people have in common? Um. It Turns out Vince and Peter have a production company that does a lot of work in the comedy circuit. They produced Steve's film, The Opening Act, starring Jibio Yang, which I watched recently. It was wonderful. And they're just great friends. So that was my first entree to meeting him. And then it turns out when I was in LA, as you know, I always go to the comedy store when I'm there. I happened to catch Steve when he was doing a little bit at at the store and he called on us to do (laughs) some crowd work. And I, I have to tell you, I have literally never laughed so hard in my life. I thought my friend Nicole was literally, I thought she was going to die. I thought we were gonna have to like take her out in an ambulance. She had her head between her knees and she was hyperventilating. She was laughing so hard.
2: I always wonder when I see uh, comedy shows about what that feels like if you're that person that they <laughs> choose to engage with in the audience. So I can't wait to delve into that a little more. I wonder if he remembers you.
0: That was my only time interacting with him. I hope that he's like that all the time and that multiple people get to experience what I got to experience. But he is a world-class comedian, dare I say, a comedian comedian he's someone that is beloved in the comedy world in fact his film The opening Act featured a ton of my favorites but he's also had specials he's toured with everyone. He is a success in the comedy world, and I am super stoked to have him on here. Um, That said, as far as the wines go, you know, he's not a self-proclaimed wine lover, so to speak. He really, really likes wines, but he hangs out with a couple guys, I think it might be Vince and Peter, that are really into wine. Mm -hmm. What he noted was, my friends drink really expensive wine, and I'm just sort of along for the ride. (laughs) So I thought it'd be really fun to give him something that was really sort of fancy and something lavish, but sort of also his hidden gem of sorts Mm -hmm. um, that he could just throw into the conversation with uh, his self-proclaimed wine friends. So, yeah. And then something else that he might feel a little bit more comfortable with opening at home. uh, He's in Nashville right now, uh, eating lots of barbecue, eating lots of food in general. um, So another wine that I think really over delivers for the price.
2: Well, I'm, as always, excited about these picks because they're always just a little bit selfish on our behalf. (laughs)
0: This was (laughs) ultra selfish. I I told AJ, I was like, we're drinking the uh, X, Y, and Z wines today. And he was like, oh, that's nice. That's super fancy.
2: (laughs) Just go with it. It's fine. All for Steve. It's all for Steve.
0: It's all for Steve. I had a really good reason. Um, Anyway, I'm excited to drink these wines and talk with you. So without any further ado, let's drink. Well, welcome to the Wine Access Unfiltered podcast. We're so excited to have you, Steve.
1: Thank you so much for having me. My rule of thumb is I never have like literally a lick of liquor until nine o'clock. That's always been my rule. But um, I'm breaking the rules to have fun with you ladies today. So I'm, I'm pretty excited.
0: Wait. 9 p.m. 9 p.m.
1: Yeah, I always found it like I never been a day drinker. I never had anything like on spring break. I think, you know, in college, I got pretty banged up. And that was a lesson. And and just being a comedian, too, like I never tried to drink before shows. Um, so yeah. the second show, maybe I'll have a drink. And that's usually after nine o'clock. So that's that's my uh that's my rule of thumb, but not today.
0: All right. Well, thanks for breaking the rules. This is very surprising given that you spent most of your life in Pittsburgh, yeah. where I spent a few years in college. And I have to tell you, that is a day drinking kind of town.
1: That's a 24-7. It's like a 7-Eleven of drinking <laughs> kind of town. Yeah, for sure. But you know what? We're just three girls at brunch today. So I'm very excited about this. <laughs>
0: (laughs) I would go to brunch with you any day. Um, I'm so excited. And you are joining us from Nashville, right?
1: I'm joining you from Nashville, Tennessee. Yes, I recently moved here from California, uh, from Los Angeles, you know, during COVID, like some other folks. I was part of that mass exodus, I guess you could say.
0: Okay, so what's going on with that? Why are all of the comedians leaving LA and heading to Austin and Nashville and like this? I mean, I feel like this has been going on for a little while though, right?
1: Yeah, I think maybe it's more the established comics that are moving some, you know, there's still some comics that are living there and there's a lot of young comics that are, hungry, that'll fill the vacancies and stuff. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to, <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to kind of like live my life and not feel restrained. Yeah. And, and I also have two young ones. So I wanted them to actually go to school and not our back to school shopping be pajamas. So I was, uh, right. I just wanted to get them out of there too. And we always kind of want to get our kids out of California, especially Los Angeles before junior high school. I just, I don't want my daughter knowing what cocaine is by the time she's 10, you know? So I just it was like, <laughs> maybe it's a good time to get out of town now.
0: It's time. Well, are you enjoying Nashville? Is it a good city?
1: Yeah, it's great. It's very friendly. There's a good mix of politics downtown for sure. Like is pretty democratic and then the outskirts are more red. So, it's been great cuz as a comic, I try to attack both sides of the political spectrum, especially yeah. on the road, but to be in a city that is a lot more diverse in terms of thought is really welcoming to the shows because you could pound Biden one second, then you pound, you know, Trump the next second and you're getting You know, a well balanced scale of laughs as opposed to LA where, you know, they're (laughs) they're definitely, you know, you you better be rooting for the Yankees in Yankee Stadium, you know, it's a hometown kind of (laughs) team. So
2: yeah. So have you gotten entrenched in the music scene there yet?
1: I have not. No, I'm not a huge country music fan. My wife loves country and she's been more inclined to open to a, you know, I've, I've met a few of them. I'll never forget. I can swear on this, right?
2: Uh-huh. Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. So I did, I hosted the red carpet of the CMAs a few years ago and I don't know anything about country. I don't know any of the artists. And I was, you know, just, <laughs> I think maybe that made it funny or whatever. And the jokes are like, so who are you? And what are you drinking tonight? Instead of what are you wearing? And stuff like that. And then, I think the artist kind of figured out, I don't know who anybody is. And Garth Brooks came up and he goes, hi, I'm Garth Brooks. And I'm like, I know who the fuck you are. And he was the only one. He was the only one that I knew, and he got a big kick out of that. But I'll tell you, a lot of those artists, even after that night, came up and they were like, hey, if you're in town for a few days, give us a call. We'll, we'll take you out drinking if you've never been here. I was like, wow, you would never get that at the Emmys or the Oscars or the Golden Globes. Yeah. But the CMAs, they were just so welcoming and inviting, and everybody I've met so far has been pretty awesome. You know, when you drive in a car and you turn on your left signal, they let you in here, which is crazy.
0: <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. That's nice. <laughs> That was like my culture shock when I moved from New York City to Napa Valley and people were just like genuinely nice for no reason. It made me uncomfortable to some extent.
1: Just having fresh air?
0: Everything. Everything about like, yeah, fresh air, human beings
2: that were not intent on getting something from you. And like see you in the produce section and then like want to have a 15 minute conversation and not pretend like (laughs) they haven't seen you and just keep walking because they're in a rush. I know. It's crazy.
1: (laughs) Now you went to university in Pittsburgh. Is that what you... Yes. Okay, so I'm going to guess Carnegie Mellon. Am I correct or am I off?
0: I really appreciate that. uh, Oh, really? They said no. That was my first choice. So I was a musical theater major and I went to the other school, Point Park.
1: Wow, uh, okay. I would not yeah. I, I think because of the wine I, I, I was thinking more of a posh kind of environment. Point yeah, Park, I guess. classy back then. <laughs> yeah, you guys you guys had couches at the university. That was a big selling point.
0: That was a big selling point, yes. We <laughs> yeah. had couches and dance studios. There and you go. a lot of pianos. Tell me about the couches. Um they just I have like, a lot of questions, well, Amanda. It's like a, it's, it would be like, you know, like any other like rehearsal space, right? It's just like weird couches, just like everywhere. That's such a yeah.
2: theater person thing to have. It's totally, yeah. That
0: school is all about the conservatory. Like they were not focused on academics in any way, shape. Like literally, I applied to that college. I got in and they were like, all right, well, you're in the honors program. And I was like, I didn't apply. They're like, yeah, but like you have higher than a 3.0. <laughs> so. You're
2: in.
1: Well, I went to Kent State University, and I studied theater there, and I was never cast in one production over the course of um, (laughs) four and a half years, so that was not a good sign.
2: What did you audition for that you didn't get into? Everything. Everything. Everything, I, I was horrible. <laughs> their loss, their yeah. loss.
0: Because I've seen you, and you're wonderful, and and in fact, to this day, and I was texting my two friends that were with me. My first like live comedy experience with you was at the comedy <laughs> store, oh, and that I was your first? I don't Ooh. well, it was the best because I have never seen a human being laugh. As hard as my friend Nicole and you did crowd work with us, we were we were set up for success and failure because when we were walked into the comedy store, they sat three girls dead center of the room, right in the front, yeah. And I I looked up and I was like, this is not going to end well because I'm looking around and I'm like, nobody else looks like us. No,
1: (laughs) it's funny because some comics will literally go up and they'll just do their act A to Z, and that's it, and there's no acknowledgement that there's even a crowd there. And when I go on the road, that's when I do my act. When I'm Mm -hmm. there to do an hour show, I'll do my act. But when I'm at the Comedy Store, I'm doing 15 minutes. When I'm at Zany's here in Nashville, I'll do 15 minutes. And those 15 minutes, I will literally just do crowd work to just sharpen my tools and skills and be prepared. And what I like to do is dig myself in a hole as deep down as I can go. I'll say the most most (laughs) insulting things to people just off the cuff as shock value to get a laugh. And then I'll compound that, and then I'll try to dig my way out of it. And that way, <laughs> if I'm ever in a situation, I'm like, I've seen the worst of it. So you know, whatever you say will be the the easiest thing to get past. I've I've rarely been in a situation that I couldn't get out of. You know.
2: And so, how do you do that? How do you dig yourself out? Uh, well, I, I think you just
1: try to find the humor. You know, there there was um there was a woman the other day. I was I was shredding these two postal workers. Well, first they off, they deserve it. They, they were. <laughs> Well, they were the shorts,
2: right? What's up with that?
1: I asked him what he does for the post office, and he goes, "I'm in charge of expediting things at the post office." So I'm like, "At the fucking post office, you're expediting <laughs> things?" And then I said, "What do you do, Miss?" And she said, "Well, I I handle mail." I go, "Yeah, that's what happens at the post office." And so I just kind of was pounding you be these two. a little two. more
0: specific.
1: <laughs> yeah, and this one woman goes, "You're acting like a generic asshole." I'm sorry, a generic asshole, and she goes, "Yeah, a generic asshole." And then I said, "Well, now we know what you can afford." And then uh, <laughs> she goes, "Well, I guarantee you, I make more money than you." And okay, and then as the show kept progressing, I just kept going back to her. And towards the end, she started laughing. And I said, "Miss, can I buy you a shot?" You know, these are all just jokes. I want everybody to have fun because the one rule is when you're doing crowd work, you can never get emotionally stifled. You can't let mm. them ever see you got because you'll lose the room. So it's important to always, always be comfortable. You're the professional. You set the tone. Be cool. Find the joke and move on. And I, I did that a few times. Then I, we did the shot together at the end. I said, now I'm a Jameson drinker. Did you enjoy that? She goes, I really did. Thank you. And I'm, I said, I'm glad you did because you're fucking paying for it because you make more money than me, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and the crowd just went bananas because it's all spontaneous, I think. Yeah, I think people appreciate spontaneity in comedy clubs because it, when you're doing your joke as good as it might be, they'll know. They'll know, oh, okay, that's, yeah. that's part of his material or her material. But when you're doing crowd work, that's all off the cuff. So I think you're rewarded even that much more when you're just drumming up stuff.
0: I think you're absolutely right. I'm surprised to hear you say it was only 15 minutes because it felt like an hour of my life in which I could not breathe. <laughs> do you remember what he was saying? You had asked us about like what we do for a living. We all worked in the restaurant industry and I don't know. I don't know what happened. All I know is every time I looked over at Nicole, she had her head between her legs because she literally could not breathe. She was oh. shaking and laughing so hard. <laughs> oh, but it was amazing. But you were, I mean, you're such a master at your craft because I've never, and I've gone to the store a lot of times. There's amazing people at the store, as you know. Sure, yeah. Um, I have never, ever, ever seen crowd work the way that you and maybe it was because it was directed at us, but your way with the room is you're your, just that
2: easy to make fun of, it, is what you're saying. Probably. probably. Okay. There's a
0: lot there's a lot of material there um between the wine and the musical theater, but yeah, no, I thought you were incredible, and it always stuck with me. And like to this day, every now and then I'll just text text the girls and be like, "Hey, remember that night where we couldn't breathe because Seaburn <laughs> yeah. had us laughing so." Oh, uh, well, thank <laughs> you.
1: That's very flattering, and I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I try to make sure that when I do do it, even though I might be saying things that might be jarring, I'm still lacing it with you know appreciation and yeah. respect because people do work hard. And I realized this a year and a half, two years ago, I was doing a show and I was in Dallas, Texas, and there was a young kid up in front with his mom. And he must, he looked like he was 16. And I'm just dumping on this kid. I mean, (laughs) in the worst way, but like having fun. And he's dying laughing. And I got to talk to them afterwards. And the mom said, my son Tanner has had seven or eight open heart surgeries since he was a little kid. And He told me that he just wanted to go out tonight and have a good time. He said, I just want to laugh, mom. And we were thinking about going to a movie. And then we thought, let's go to a comedy club. So they went to the comedy club and they sat in front. And once I heard that from Tanner and his mom, I got talking to them and kept in touch with them. And he was delivering pizzas for Papa John's. And I, of course, was (laughs) dumping on him for that. I said, you know... Maybe you'll hit the big leagues one day, dominoes around the corner, just dumb shit. (laughs) And he was having fun and he was single and he was living with his mom. And over the course of two years, a year and a half, we texted and kept in touch. And I was always trying to be encouraging of him. And the last time I was there, just before COVID hit, he came to my show. He lives in an apartment now. He got a better job and he's got a girlfriend that lives with him. And it was just like one of those things where you forget sometimes that there's somebody in that room that needs that evening. There's somebody that needs to laugh. There's somebody that needs to just forget about things. And so Mm – that was a great recalibration of appreciating my job just in that one instance of talking to somebody after the show. You just never know who you're gonna talk to. And you don't know mm-hmm. who you're where you're gonna end up. Now I'm sitting here, you know, like about to have some very nice wine. So this is pretty cool.
0: That's right. We've kept you waiting too long. We should have some wine. We've given you two wines, in fact, mm-hmm. because that's how we roll. One is now walk
1: me through the minutiae. What are we doing here? What am I stepping into? Because as you there's know there's no
2: minutiae. I, I don't well, know. We're much very about judgmental. Wine. I should tell you that right off the bat. No, this is okay. the whole The
0: whole point of the podcast. So No. (laughs) I mean, we love having wine drinkers of all different levels in the show because it sure we love having conversations with lots of different people. Therefore, there is no like minutia, there is no like wrong way, right way to do things. We do select the wines based on not only your preferences, but also like some stories and like some things that might, you know, resonate with your own life. So we chose two very opposite wines of the spectrum in price point. So the teeter-totter is like a $50, $60 Cabernet, which is not not expensive. We recognize that. But sure. compared to like other Napa Valley Cabernets that are three, four, five times as much, you know, definitely more of like a value cab. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the opposite side of the spectrum, we have the Massetto Massatino. And Massetto is one of the most expensive wines, not only in Italy, but in the world. And the the Massetino is a, a new wine that they just put out. So this is like a... F- $400 bottle of wine. So that's what's sitting on there. I know.
1: Okay, so <laughs> I was very You're like, should I get a better glass? <laughs> there we go. There's the teeter-totter. That's yes. the uh, bang for a buck at a good value. Correct? Yep. And then we have yeah. the... Massettino, the Italian wine that you will not find it at an Olive Garden. I assume Correct. anytime soon. But I
0: don't think so. Unless smuggle smuggling with in with you.
1: So, it's so funny. I have my wine opener. You know, she you have drinks. like a
0: proper wine opener. This is this is a good and start. I don't I like to see the open, ones with the handles.
1: Sliced it open, and I was like, oh my god, I haven't done this since I waited tables in New York City. Yes, yeah, in so 1997 you know. at the Aegean <laughs> Restaurant. That's that's the last time I opened a bottle of wine. So this was kind of cool. It reminisced Seriously? all those. Uh, all those memories of having wine because I'm a I'm a whiskey guy. So I just uh, and I do, I'm a social drinker. I don't really drink at home. I never really yeah. drink at home. So I just you know if I'm out and about and you know after a show most certainly I'll have a drink, but rarely do I ever have one at home. So this is this is pretty exciting for me. It's outside so the was norm. It,
2: it was like riding a bike then using the corkscrew. Just yeah, it was jump right yeah. Back yeah. On? I, was, I was like, oh my god,
1: I remember how to do this. And now it kind of made me want to just run back to a kitchen. So what's the specials today? What are we 86 and Come on.
0: We got, <laughs> We got
1: to move product, you know?
0: You never really lose it, right? I, I left the hospitality industry last year and like it still feels weird to be in a restaurant and not like a part of the industry. I don't know if I'll ever lose that. So these wines that we selected, there's a reason we did them like top and bottom. So my understanding is that you like wine kind of, but you don't spend a lot of money on it. But you have a lot of friends who are very into wine that will spend a lot of money.
1: Yes, I do. Yes, for sure.
0: So the thought process was let's give them something that you might actually buy. Like if you decided to stop drinking whiskey, maybe we'll see if we can convert you. And then also something that you can just like whip out in conversation when you're with your friends to be like, oh, well, when I was on this podcast, I had the massetto Mazzettino. I don't know if you've heard of it um, <laughs> okay. and give you that. Sounds so pretty badass. that was yeah. genuinely the impetus. Also, we really wanted to drink these wines, which is a running theme on the podcast. Everything
2: is a little bit to a lot selfishly chosen. As Very much nice. as we try to make this about you and your preferences,
1: there's always a little bit. of. <laughs> so I assume, I assume you yeah. have not tried these yet then.
2: I think we've both had these wines before, but not today. I have never had the Masatino. Oh, you know I've bet. had massetto
0: but I've never had the Masatino. Well,
2: I was gonna suggest we start with that anyway. So
0: Oh good. All right. Dig yeah. in.
2: Sorry. Yeah. It looks like I got a little quirk in your glass there. That's, That's all right. So like we're a gonna not a sum.
1: we're gonna take a sip gonna from drink. the Stanley Cup and then and then work our way back into the divisional playoffs. Is that what we're doing?
0: <laughs> we are. Don't think I've forgotten that you're a huge penguins fan and I'm a huge Flyers fan. Yeah, I got so my uh,
2: back. My penguins the, the sweatshirt
1: you. on there. Um, so I poured this, I assume you want to let something, especially like this, breathe a bit more. Is that correct?
2: You know, I just tasted it actually. I couldn't wait. Yeah. And it's
0: <laughs>
2: it's pretty right so open. It. I've just been swirling my glass around. Um, Okay. cause yeah. we've been talking and I think it's, I mean, I think it's going to definitely change as we chat over the next, you know several more minutes but um but i think it's it's tasting pretty delicious yeah i
0: think some like you know some wine people are like oh yeah i gotta decant that for 15 hours and then like you know run it through the vitamix for a bit okay i'm of a more lazy approach so i don't decant a lot of wine and i also feel like people decant wines to look cool and not for like the actual taste like i think there is like some sort of a a trophy people ward about Mm -hmm. like a about like oh i decanted this for 17 hours and i'm like well was the wine still there? Like, was this, It's like leaving food out on the counter. Like, right, right.
2: Okay. And then you <laughs> missed a bunch of its life, right? Yeah. Like, so much happened in that decanter while you were just like going about your day. And then you come back to it and you're like,
0: oh. It's like yeah. you, you had a yeah. kid, you sent it off to school and you came back and it's a grown up. You're like, well, I didn't have to do any work.
2: So that was good. Well, I like you know? to. Um... But I missed all the funny teenage stories. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on a sec here. Here
1: we go. Hey, Vince. I saw that
2: article yesterday.
1: Actually. Oh. Hey, I'm on, I'm doing a wine podcast real quick. Do you want to just say hi and I'll I'll call you back? Sorry. Oh, sorry. You're you're working? Call me back when you're done. All right. He's drinking. Talk soon. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Bye.
2: Bye, Vince.
1: So it was was Vince Vaughn and he's, he's literally the guy I will go out to dinner with and he'll, you know, he's a little more well-versed with wine, certainly than I am. Yeah. So he's the one that uh will pick the good wine and, you know. So yes. what does he choose? No, I,
0: I know this about him because you guys came into press where I used to work. And I was like, how do these guys know each other? And then I found out later that you are, you know, sort of are your friends and you kind of work together. But yeah, what, what does he choose? Because I don't remember. He definitely, definitely
1: likes a, a red. He likes a, a nice red. I forget his go-to. I, Peter Billingsley is another good friend of ours. Yeah, he was was with you guys too. Yeah, he's in Christmas Story. That's how everybody knows Peter. But he loves, he enjoys Camus a lot. So um, that's kind of his go-to wine. Um, But I I like to take a sip of this. Yeah, you need to
2: catch up. You should. I don't know why we're waiting so long. I didn't wait. (laughs) Okay.
1: Oh, wow. I'll tell you, this is is what we call dangerous. That (laughs) was really smooth.
2: So yeah. yeah, as Amanda said, it's a pretty famous property not just in um, in Italy but in the world. Compared to like ripening Bordeaux um, top chateaus, right. but but in Italy in, in Tuscany, and so it's mostly Merlot, uh, Moscato, which is kind of like the granddaddy crown jewel, um, crown jewel at the property is a hundred percent Merlot. This has just a dash of Cabernet Franc in it as well. Okay, but cool story. It's that um, Ludovic Antonori who owns uh, Ornellaia. There was this like outcrop of this really rare blue clay. On the property, which is the same that's at um, Chateau Petrus Mm -hmm. on the right bank in Bordeaux. And Antinori had hired Andre Telechev, who very famous, historic, you know, influential winemaker in Napa Valley to come over. And Andre was like, this is not right for Cabernet. You can't plant that here. You need to plant Merlot. And they had this like fight. And like the lore goes that there was like a chalkboard. And at the end of the day, you know. Antonori had written all of his notes on how to grow the Cabernet mm-hmm. and then Andre Telechef would come in and erase it all and like write his plan for Merlot. And so they had this like ongoing battle for a while and eventually of course Andre Telechef won, planted it to Merlot and it became of course this amazingly renowned historic wine. And oh, so wow. this is cool because it's the younger vines on the property, the Massetino, but still like amazing, amazing terroir. It's sort of a benefit of that we have today of a lot of restaurants unfortunately being closed and that this is right. really meant to be only for restaurant consumption, but then the world changed. And so we had an opportunity to get our hands on it. And here we are drinking it. Well, it's, it's before noon for us. Mm, yeah. So drinking but that's a little normal. Well, I, So
1: much <laughs> goes into the soil. I remember, uh, talking to a friend of mine who eventually became my student. And I was talking about deep soil, rich soil. It was, uh, Ludovic Antononi was a student of mine back in the day. And I'm glad <laughs> to see that he's doing well now, but, uh, hopefully he learned some things from me. We'll see, but- <laughs>
2: ludo
1: the whole time you were talking for three minutes i just kept trying to say remember this name remember this name for this awful joke
2: that's you know what it for a
0: second i was like wow that's really oh you know so I, was, I was watching it, and i'm like
2: wow he's like really paying attention to what i'm saying but now i know you you were just hearing boo and just trying to remember that one I get to remember
1: <laughs> but i was i was listening i there was another gentleman that told him exactly how to do it yes yeah yes yeah. And how how long has this vineyard been around?
2: These vines, I don't know, because they just call them the younger vines on the property. So, Oh, okay, yeah. That property's been around for decades and decades, but the ones that are in this particular bottling, I'm not sure they just say younger.
0: But Maseto's been around for 40 years? At least. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because Telechef, yeah, his like Mm -hmm. heyday was like 60s, sixties, seventies. So Mm -hmm. yeah, really iconic. I I actually would be very curious if you if you mention this to Vince later if he like if he knows it, I'm sure he does. I'll bring um, it up. If he'd be impressed.
1: Boy, it is uh it's really smooth. I really enjoy it. I this would make me want to eat pasta or steak.
0: Yes. Um perfect.
1: This is the kind of thing I took Literally the first sip of, and I was like, I would drink this quite often, and maybe <laughs> a lot more often than I would think I would. Um, yeah. I remember the first time I had 1942 tequila. I'm not a tequila drinker. I was next door at a at a speakeasy, you know, in Cleveland. Uh, As <laughs> much you can say about that. And some guy gave me a shot of 1942, and I said, Oh my god, this is unbelievable. And there was a bachelorette party that was at my show that was at the speakeasy. I'm like, girls, I got to get you a round of the shots. So I got them a round of shots. And then these guys came in and they were at the show. I'm like, guys, let me get you a round of shots. I get Uh them a round of shots. And then everybody's (laughs) drinking. Everybody's hanging out. I'm like, you know what? Let me just buy everybody, the guys in this bachelorette party and this guy that bought. I'm like, let me get another round of shots. So I got another round of shots. I didn't realize that 1942 was like $70 a shot. It's pretty expensive. So that was a... (laughs) Huge eye opener wow. at the end of the night, and that's why now my wife gets alerts when the credit card gets run over one hundred fifty dollars. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that was wow. A lesson that guy Steve's
0: really generous. Who knew?
1: Yeah, when I start drinking, put the cards away. I got a I got a bill, and uh, we'll we'll go all night if we can. But this is this is really I don't know. I mean, do you say delicious when it comes to a wine? Like what? Is this? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh,
0: always I, applicable. First and foremost, delicious. Must okay. be delicious. If it's not, then. There's no point in...
1: Now, I I don't have a discerning palate because I'll go to Arby's and say the beef and cheddar is delicious. So please... Well, listen,
0: you know what? I love Chick-fil-A and I'm not ashamed of it, but there's like lots of different things on the spectrum that can be included in the delicious category, not just $400 wines. I mean, Arby's roast beef and cheddar for sure. I would pair this with Arby's roast beef and cheddar. This would be delicious with roast beef and cheddar.
1: I know you'd probably want to steak up or something like that, or a duck larange with something like this, but I just, wow, that is really good.
0: Not really. You know, these kinds of wines, like they kind of stand on their own and they're kind of a meal like by themselves that I Mm -hmm. almost kind of prefer that like, Highbrow, lowbrow thing because it's steak au poivre, duck l'orange, like they're all so complicated, intense dishes. Sometimes I just like want something simple, like you know, I, I love that classic scene in Sideways where he drinks the it was a we always get this wrong. Is it Patrice or Cheval Blanc? I think
2: it's Cheval Blanc. I
0: forget, whatever Cheval the Merlot Blanc. is. Um, he has it with uh burger. Oh, in, wow, a styrofoam um, cup. Yeah, like in a nothing glass. That's how I enjoy wine. To me, yeah. that's like, let's grab a Permani Brothers sandwich and like, oh, yeah, I'm like go to town. Like that's the best way to do it. Yeah. Now you're talking talking. about like
2: champagne and (laughs) champagne and, you know, popcorn or like champagne and potato chips. It's like this great, there's such a great pairing, you know, and it feels like you're getting away with something. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And I assume when the weekend comes up, all your friends are hitting you up because you probably know, the best wines and probably great restaurants to enjoy the ambiance of a nice glass of wine together with. Is that correct? I
2: think we've both probably gotten a lot of text messages. That's like, I'm at a restaurant, like, here's a screenshot of the menu. What should I order? (laughs) I've kind of made an entire Instagram out of it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I think that's, that's probably, you've landed in great professions. Uh, you know, the fact that I can yeah. go out and travel the country and tell jokes at night and work for like two hours and drink on the job like an airline pilot, and then you you get to do the same <laughs> thing almost, right? I mean, you're you're going out and yeah. enjoying kind of the finer things of life and experiencing yeah. these things in in great yeah. locales, I assume as well. that that's got to be a, an incredible occupation
2: beautiful places. Yeah, I yes. mean that is
0: like the big draw. It's funny when people are like, "Why did you get into wine?" like, you know, we both have our different stories, but the real version I think for both of us is like someone was going to pay us to drink and travel and eat for a living and that was sounded pretty great. Sounded so, pretty
2: awesome. Yeah.
1: yeah. What is the most exotic <laughs> locale you've been in due to the job? I'm sure you got to be sitting at a table sometimes, you're sipping on a wine, you go, "I can't believe like my job got me here." I mean, that's got to yeah. be crazy. So, what what are what would that be for? Each of you. Welcome to my well, podcast, had, by the I way. Had, my name is Steve Byrne. Yeah,
0: you've just you've just hijacked the wedding. Season. This is what happens. All people are like, so wait, yeah. how does this work? Uh, I had breakfast at Chateau Margaux one time. And that was, like, Chateau Margaux is a first growth in Bordeaux. And that was, I was like 20, 27, 28. Yeah. You know, people wait their entire lives to just even, you know, stand at the gates. And here I am, like, waltzing in at 8 a.m. Like, pour me an I'm 88 give me a <laughs> croissant. Like, I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's kind of wild. It's not exotic, but it was definitely like a bucket list item I never knew I had. Oh, that's great.
2: I don't know, too, if there's an exotic location, but I just remember that like the first time, you know, certain trade organizations like Wines of Australia or, mm-hmm. or, you know, Wines of South Africa, they'll fly people over, I mean, oh, or if wow. they did, you know, pre-COVID, uh, who are in the industry to, to, like, taste the wines and be able to come back and talk about it. I just remember the first time boarding like an international plane, I'm like, someone is paying for yeah. me to drink in a different country? Yeah. This is yeah.
0: amazing. Penfolds <laughs> flew me to, to Hong Kong for 36 hours just so they could release a wine. That was insane. Wow,
2: that's crazy. Flew me first
0: class all the way there, had a handler the whole time, and I just, like, waltzed around Hong Kong like, taking pictures with these bottles. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, I didn't
2: fly first class, but maybe, oh. maybe someday.
0: Maybe we go to Hong Kong. Yeah. Yeah.
2: it's <laughs> a long flight. Australia. That was my In first, Australia.
0: my first first class experience, and I took advantage of everything.
1: Oh yeah, those you are great. The whole so menu. Like, It's almost like a coffin with a TV when you're international. <laughs> they're they're so wonderful. Good. Yeah.
0: And you just feel better than everyone. Like, you, you really on do. Plane that's why. Like,
1: that's why you and I should like, keep this conversation <laughs> going. And you go out to coach, please. Enjoy your peanuts, but, you know, we, we got bumped up.
0: That's right. That's right. I have champagne and you have Prosecco. Yeah.
2: Exactly. yeah.
0: Hey, Steve's like, I don't get it. What's the difference?
2: <laughs> There's a time and a place for Prosecco. and there It might be is, on an airplane, but- There is a time and a place. It's still appropriate in that- yeah. No, scenario. I don't. I don't
0: want to hate on prosecco. There's some no. great proseccos, yes. but it's yeah. not champagne. Yeah. Um, we also have two wines. So we've been For waxing sure. poetic about the Messatino, but right. the Teeter totter is delicious. I don't know if you've picked that up yet.
1: Now, do I take a sip of water or something? Or no, I should okay. not. Okay, so th- I'm
0: so glad that you asked this question. No, unless you're like parched, then drink water. Once your palate's like primed with wine, water has a pH and it'll like send your everything kind of into a spiral. So the worst thing you can do before you taste wine at a restaurant is take a sip of water and then taste the wine because your palate's trying to reset itself. And mm-hmm. so it can like make the acids feel really out of balance. That
1: well, that's sense. good to know it because yeah. my wife gave me this bottle of water in between drinks just in case. And now I know that she was wrong and I can't wait to tell her you don't know Great. everything. You are wrong Great. at times. So this is I'm one really example. happy to
0: be the, the Thank reason you. you guys are going to fight later. Yes. I'll
1: be, I'll be divorced <laughs> and then I'll be drinking wine as a meal two years from now. <laughs> so this is teeter totter.
2: Yes. And so this, this is, is a Cabernet from Napa Valley. Yes.
1: Cabernet from Napa Valley. And this is the $50, $60 bottle.
2: Yes. Yeah. Okay. So this is a um sort of as Amanda said earlier, I think like an amazing bang for the buck, like price to quality ratio. Because the okay. the winemaker behind this, his name is Benoit Touquet. He's like really renowned, like very famous gets all these you know crazy praise for wines that he makes, but this is kind of his project, and he really wants to make wines that are are more. I mean, obviously, this is still like you know in the over fifty dollars price range, but but that are more affordable than some of the wines he makes, which can be like three hundred dollars, four hundred dollars, et cetera. So, I remember a way going to drink really well
1: through the produce section with a student of mine and we were looking at grapes his name is benoit Touquet. and anyways I, I was telling him the difference between certain grapes whatever but anyways i i'm glad he's doing well now but he was a former student of mine as well cheers to benoit Touquet! here we go
2: cheers cheers cheers, cheers to benny. benny and and i have to say you fooled me again because again i was like wow he's like really into what i'm saying <laughs> what right a now
0: liar he said he's into whiskey <laughs> what the
2: heck
0: this
1: is uh yeah, this definitely so tastes...
0: naive. <laughs> this tastes like Coach. <laughs> the other one tasted like first class. <laughs>
1: there's there's a different... Obviously, there's a different taste in it. Yeah. I guess stronger, does that make...
2: This is a more powerful wine, I think. Okay. I think it's kind of like riper and more yeah. forward. There's more, more f- like brighter acidity on the Massetino.
1: Like a stronger yes, it, flavor? Fruit. Does that make yeah. sense? Or, okay.
2: I mean, this is a, a geekier conversation, but
0: yeah, I mean, we're talking about two different climates, although you know, it's not, not warm where the Massettino is made, but California is a, as you know, it's a, it's a warm place, especially in Northern California, it's Mediterranean sure. climate. So the grapes can get, you know, really, really ripe. And as a result, you think of that in relation to like any fruit you've ever had from a hot place, like the fruits really ripe and it you know feels kind of jammy at times. Um, And so in California, it's always just the winemaker is always trying to find that, that sort of balance, you know, right. between not letting the fruit get super, super ripe, but allowing that California sunshine to come through. So as a result with a wine, like the teeter totter from Napa Valley, it's going next to, the the Italian wine, it's going to feel a little bit more heady and intense, a little mm-hmm. bit more of like that, that ripe, ripe fruit. And Benoit is also like, he's a hedonistic winemaker. Yes. He's someone that like is not afraid of a little flash. Like um, to push the buttons. Yeah. yeah. He's well, kind of like the Burt Kreischer of the wine world.
1: I took a sip of this and I instantly <laughs> thought classic Benoit. Classic,
0: classic Betty. classic Betty. This
1: has his personality yeah. all within the bottle. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's that's the first thing I think. <laughs> but but hopefully, unlike Bert, he keeps his shirt on.
0: Well. Mm-hmm. I think oh. this is maybe why it's an apt. Well, he's gotten married True. in the last couple of years, so he's definitely, his, his he's personality down. is toned down. But yeah, he's always like life at the party, like always wants to be funny. But, and but
2: so also like scientific when in his winemaking. Like, yeah. he, you, you know, he's a person who might not take seriously, no offense, but because he's really funny. Yeah. But when he gets down to winemaking, he's like super technical. He's, he's very, very methodical Oh, that's good about to things. hear. Yeah. yeah. No, now, is there,
1: serious. you talked about the Italian wine and the California wine. Is there a region of the world that is kind of like the redheaded stepchild of, of wine um, trying to do everything they can, but it's just, it's never clicked.
0: Well, maybe, yeah, maybe not South Africa. That's never clicked. Uh, who keeps trying and failing? I don't know. Trying and
2: failing. Yeah, I mean, there are definitely regions like, I mean, to your point, I mean, I think South Africa has struggled to, um, to like kind of catch consumers' attention, at least yeah. in the United States, yeah. for sure, which is which is too bad because there's such great wine being made there. But I don't know, maybe like um, like the, the Central Valley, you know. Yeah, because there's so yeah. many
0: bulk wines that come yeah. from there that people forget there's actually like decent ones. So anytime you go into the grocery store and you see like, the $10 wines from California that sure. you know have some funny name, like those are mostly from the Central Valley. Yeah, probably a, there.
1: There's a vineyard here, Arrington Vineyards. And when mm-hmm. I tell people I live in Arrington, they always go, oh, you live right near the vineyards. And a country artist owns this vineyard. And yeah, I was like, wondering if it Brooks, you-
0: It's Brooks and Dunn, right? Or one of them. Kick I think it's- Brooks. It's,
1: it's yeah. one of them? Yeah, it's either yeah. Brooks or Dunn. I've <laughs> heard it's pretty popular. I don't know anything about the wine and- If you were to be told you have a wine from Tennessee, what would your first instinct be?
0: Curious, but skeptical, I guess. Yeah. But I've heard a few people talk about Arrington. Like we had Carly Pierce in the podcast. Mm -hmm. She talked about it. Um, And then just some other people that live in Tennessee have mentioned Arrington Vineyards as actually being, you know, pretty good wine. I think there have been a few places that have really surprised me. Like Virginia has some really good wine.
2: Michigan actually makes some really nice wines. Yeah.
0: So I used to be of the thinking that, you know, it's not possible to make wine in these places, but I've been proven wrong many, many times. Mm -hmm. So what do you think of those wines?
1: I personally haven't tried the Arrington Vineyard wine yet. I would like to. The one true experience I had, which was kind of odd because I know a lot of bachelorette parties go to Napa Valley
2: Mm, Uh, mm -hmm.
1: my friend Peter got married in his bachelor party because he loves wine so much. We actually went to Napa Valley and did the whole guy thing and we all came out of there with Lots of bottles shipped back home and everything, and it was yeah. It truly was. I, I think it's one of those things where I, I was in um. Oh geez, I think I was in Milwaukee one time, and I looked up. Sometimes after I'm done with my shows, I'll just want to do something fun and not do mm-hmm. the classic. I'm just going to go to an Irish, you know, hole in the wall kind of pub and get blottoed. But I, I found this whiskey bar and. They only let a certain amount of people in at a time, and it was one of those tasting kind of bars, whatever. And and they come out, and they bring you three different small samples, and they explain the soil and where it's from and all that stuff. And it was one of those things where, obviously, you, you begin to appreciate the craftsmanship that goes into these things a lot more. And when I went to that vineyard, for sure, when we hopped around, you really, really were getting the education along with a really, really great time and the aesthetics of a beautiful environment. So this is something I never would have done in a million years with five or six guys. And it was one of the more memorable kind of fun things because it was just all about the hang. And all about the education. And I really, really had a great time. I I, I was immensely hungover for three days afterwards because I was mixing at the end of the night. (laughs) (laughs) Is that a myth that you shouldn't mix? Like if I were, because I I think maybe I just went overboard because it was a bachelor party. But is it true that, you know, if I were to go out to dinner, I have a nice bottle of wine and maybe two, and then I go out and I'm at a bar and I'm doing whiskey is that a cocktail for failure or is that just a myth?
2: I don't know. I don't have anything scientific behind that. Yeah. I think it's just that you get, like, really loaded. Yeah, you know? okay, yeah. I mean,
0: the nice part about
2: <laughs> the nice part about wine is, like, you
0: know, it's it's a lot less alcohol than whiskey, so you can drink yeah. it for longer. Right. I think what happens is people don't feel that drunk on wine, and then they start pounding whiskey as hard as they were pounding wine, and I feel like they just get to a point where they're like, well, I, I, I'm i not drunk yet, and it just, that makes for a disaster. But that's um, not the purpose, or like you're though, feeling with a good wine, right?
1: You kind of want to enjoy the the wine, I assume. Correct? I think
0: so. I mean, I think for most people, yeah, you nobody's. Know, I don't think anybody spends three hundred dollars in a bottle of wine and hopes to like forget it and like throw it all up later. So, <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. I'm not a masochist like a lot of people. So did I've, I've seen it all in Napa Valley. Yeah.
2: I, I put nothing past anyone. Did any of that happen when you were in Napa Valley? Little uh, a little overindulgence. That There's you a of passage <laughs> that someone <laughs> has to throw up on the side of the I road. But I will tell yeah.
1: you that my my bachelor party, Peter and Vince thought it would be a good idea to go to Floribama. Um, okay. Okay. Well, I would rather go to Pittsburgh or Vegas or <laughs> even Atlantic city, but I'll go to Florida Bama and it was a great time. And Friday was a lot of fun. And then Saturday we went out and Peter got a, um, a fishing boat. Now we're all hungover, And of course there were choppy seas. So when I tell you everybody got sick, Everybody got sick. We all got sick. And literally, you drop a line, you pull up a fish, and then you'd like run off to the bathroom and you got sick. I'll never forget. Vince was so upset. He's like, Peter, what the? What the hell were you thinking? Why would you do this to us? He's like, no, it's supposed to be good. Like, I didn't know it was going to be choppy seas, but we were going to go out, catch fish and bring it back. And they were going to cook it for us. And that was going to be our lunch. He's like, this is the stupidest thing. We're going out and we're getting lunch. Let's go back to the hotel, guys. And let's paint our own rooms. Let's vacuum our own rooms, guys. This is the worst fucking idea. And for the rest of the trip, that's all he said to Peter was, let's, let's do manual labor for ourselves to make that fun over the course of the trip. So that was my experience.
0: How did you meet those guys? Because when you guys came into press, I was like, how did these guys know each other?
1: It's a weird combination. I just moved to Los Angeles after being a, a New York comic. I was at the Comedy Cellar for seven years straight. And then I moved to LA and I got passed at the Comedy Store pretty quickly. And Vince had just done a documentary called The Wild West Comedy Show. And Mm. it was about doing 30 shows in 30 days with like Sebastian Menescalco and some young comics Mm. at the time. And they were doing these shows in Vegas and one of the guys got sick and Vince said, hey, do you guys know anybody that could come and fill in for him at last minute? And they go, oh, this guy Byrne just moved here from New York. He's pretty good. So I went and I'll never forget at the time I was doing these Beecher's Madhouse shows in Vegas at the Hard Rock and they were really popular. Like Britney Spears would go and the Hilton sisters and Quentin Tarantino Mm. and- all these people used to go to the show. So I was used to being in front of 2,500 people in Vegas in the party environment. So Vince went out. He literally talked for two minutes and he said, all right, we're going to spring bring out your first comic, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Steve Byrne. And I come out and I did all my tricks from the Vegas show. I did my material. I knew what set worked because you got to tailor your material and I got a standing ovation. I go back and Vince was just like, who the fuck is this kid? <laughs> who is this guy? <laughs> and then two weeks later, I'm in Costa Rica with him and one of my other buddies. And ever since then, we've been like best pals. And uh, he's just been, you know, I don't know if there's the wine talking, but I'll tell you, I wish everybody had a friend like Vince because he, he is the most supportive guy I've ever come across. And I, I just have an immense... Deep well of respect for, for the guy. And uh yeah, if I you know if I had another glass or two, I probably get emotional about it. But but <laughs> he's just he's just a solid guy. And the one thing people always say, what's he like? What's he like? I'm like, you've seen his movies, right? They're like, Yeah, I'm like, that's what he's like. He's just a that's fun, great. great guy to hang out with. Yeah.
2: I was gonna ask, so did you say you have two kids?
1: Two kids, yeah. So fortunately there are <laughs> They're at school right now. My son's here, probably out on an iPad. My wife cannot wait to dig into this wine because she's been nice. a big fan of wine. But I, I have two young ones. My daughter's eight my son is five.
2: So do they think that you're funny?
1: No. No, they don't. They don't think I'm funny. <laughs> um, the great thing... Is that I I had a film come out recently called The Opening Act, and it's about my early years in standup comedy. Mm-hmm. And my children are in the film because when you're doing an independent film, you know, everything's on a shoestring budget. And we just kind of did a guerrilla style shot where we went into a park and Jimmy O'Yang is going over his notes before a set, and two kids walk into frame, and my kids were in it, and they were excited about it. But I can't wait to show them the film because they're not old enough to see it, you know? Yeah. So I think once they get to high school or like junior high school, I'll show them the film because everything that happened in the film actually happened to me in real life. So that's the thing that I want my kids to be exposed to, to say, look, this was your dad's life for many, many years on the road. But also the fact that I got to share that memory with them is kind of one of the cooler things I got to do with them. Yeah.
0: Wow. It's a great film. We bought it or rented it on Amazon as soon as it came out. I was excited to watch it. Oh, thank you. I was going to ask you uh, how close it was to your real life and who was the character, I guess the real life person that uh, Cedric the Entertainer played? Or was that sure? Well,
1: all three of the, so when you go to a comedy club, just for your viewers, when you go to a comedy club, Mm -hmm. you'll see an MC, a feature and a headliner. And the film is about a kid's very first time ever on the road in a comedy club professional environment as an MC. So there's you don't just go and do a show. You got to get the intros right. You got to understand what the light is, music cues, all that stuff, and, mm-hmm. and and just everything that comes along with it, hecklers, bachelorette parties, et cetera. So I was an MC. I was Jimmy O. Yang. And all those things in mm-hmm. the film, people watch and go, there's no way that happened. It's like, that that happened to me, the trailer part scene. The
0: cop scene happened.
1: That was in Raleigh, North Carolina, but it was a Marine. Uh, <laughs> oh, the bachelorette party <laughs> where the girl hit her head, that was in Dallas, Texas um, after a show. And- The feature act was me probably in my late 20s. You know, I was like a, Mm. you know, you feel like a big fish in a small pond when you're going out and doing these shows and you're in, you know, Cleveland, Ohio or Toledo, Ohio, wherever you might be. And then I'm now moving to the phase of my life where I am the headliner, where I'm kind of like just there to do my job. But the character that Cedric played is named Billy G and he's named after Billy Gardell. And Billy Gardell okay. was on Mike and Molly, and he's on Bob Loves yeah. Abishola, and he's a Pittsburgh guy. And I met him on the Jameson Whiskey Tour. We did that together for two years, along with Bert Kreischer and Pete Corielli, and a few other comics. And Billy was discerning a lot of great information and knowledge to me as an established headliner. And I was such a young headliner at the time. Mm. So I wanted to pay homage to him in that regard, and there's a lot of nuggets in that film, like Jimmy O. Yang leaves Steubenville, Ohio, because Dean Martin is my hero to this day, and uh, I wanted to pay homage to Dean Martin in some small way, so I made... Jimmy O'Young's character from Steubenville. So I had to go and drive and do all the exterior shots in Steubenville <laughs> with just a camera, just my, me and my friend yeah. just doing all these exterior shots. And I ate at his, um, I believe it's called Naples, his favorite Italian restaurant that's still operating in uh, Steubenville, Ohio. So it was kind of cool to go oh. to go there. But that film was great. Again, have my kids involved and it was really special. And um, I don't know if I can do this, but let me give you a tour of my office and I'll show you this. There's a uh, an actual autographed Dean Martin postcard from, uh, the Sands in Vegas. And that's him on stage. So I love,
2: love. Wow. Dean Martin.
1: Yeah.
2: So is this true? I heard about Dean Martin that, um, you would sort of pretend like he was, you know, drinking and stuff on stage, but it would actually be like an iced tea in the tumbler or whatever that, that he was sort of trying to put on this persona, but in actuality that wasn't him or is that a myth? I think
1: that it's a hybrid of the both because I know that he would put apple juice into it you can't drink all the time on stage and, and you're going to start slurring. I learned my lessons early on that you can't do that when people are paying good money to see you. So um, he would do apple juice and then he would drink too. And there's a great, great YouTube video of him on the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. And he is absolutely ripped. I mean, he is <laughs> bombed. Bob Hope is the other guest and Bob Hope is trying to like save him along the way, but it's, it's really entertaining to see that he on national television. You got to remember, this is this is forty years ago when everybody was watching the Tonight Show. It's not like today, mm-hmm. you know. It's not like even just a few years ago where you had cable. I mean, this is when there's three channels at night, and the whole country is watching this guy, and he's absolutely Shane Gotts on national television. It, <laughs> it's truly entertaining, but I think Dean Martin Sinatra. Carson obviously was notorious for uh, drinking after the tapings, but mm-hmm. for sure, you could see in that coffee mug, he definitely had, there there were occasions where um, guests would joke and say, oh, Johnny, I'll take a sip of your, and they're like, oh my God, because he would have some liquor in there. You couldn't do that these wow. days.
0: Not without getting fired subsequently. Um Yeah. <laughs> Unless you are on a podcast, <laughs> right? Unless and you're on a podcast, it's right. They ask you to do that. And they ask you to drink.
1: <laughs> that's right.
0: Exactly. We would get fired if we didn't. Seriously. Um, yeah. Are you still? I just saw you take a take a swig. Which one are you picking up more of?
1: Well, because the teeter totter is in my hand and it's closest to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, put that, I put that there, but I mean the Masutino. I'm definitely going to after this is done. I assume like this is fine, right? Like the rest of the day, I could I could still go back to this, right?
0: If you kept, it, put the cork back in, you didn't drink it all today, obviously. Put the yeah. cork in and put it in the fridge. This would be good for another two to three days.
1: Okay, because my wife and I yeah. were talking about how we definitely want to indulge this evening in, in these yeah, fine no, wines. Yeah, no, it's totally
0: fine. Just yeah. don't leave it like in the sun or in the heat or anything like that. And it's, it's good to go. These so wines are, they're sturdy.
1: Is it bad to microwave it? After, if you've had it in the fridge for a while, like for even for thirty definitely seconds, definitely frowned yeah. upon. Yeah. Okay, I, yeah. I will not mm-hmm. microwave it then. Okay.
0: <laughs> some people do that. There's some like crazy things that people do to like get their wines to open. Mm-hmm. Like they'll they'll microwave them. They'll vit- like I wasn't joking when I said yeah. Vitamix. Like people will actually put their wines in a Vitamix. I had a friend that was a sommelier at Alinea in Chicago. It's a three Michelin star restaurant. Yeah. And she had a guest that used to come in there and ask for their wines to literally be Vitamixed. because.
1: That is crazy. To assume, first off, that most places have... Vitamixes are expensive, obviously, by nature. So you wouldn't assume that most people have it. But I, I saw that documentary a few years ago sommelier uh, about the profession. Um, Is is mm -hmm. there was it as accurate?
0: Yeah, I mean that was like an anomaly of a documentary that it was really accurate but it really was just born out of Jason Wise met these this one guy Brian McClintock who is one of the master sommeliers now featured Mm -hmm. and was really just sort of taken by the things that these guys were doing to pass their master sommelier exam so it's I don't think there's anything in there Mm -hmm. that I'm like "Mm, that didn't really happen it is that aggressive it is that difficult they do say those ridiculous things like fresh cut garden hose. Right. Um, it's a weird profession because we all come from different backgrounds. And then, you know, we're all sort of like in this place where we're constantly drinking. And like those guys are drinking early in the morning. I mean, they're starting blind tastings at, you know, 730, eight o'clock in the morning.
2: Yeah. I mean, spitting, but still, you yeah, have, you have s- wine you in your glass it. at 8.30 yeah. in the morning. Yes. And and on your palate, for sure. So. Look at look at Steve's face. He's like, yeah. no, I am yeah, perplexed.
1: <laughs> well, obviously this profession involves alcohol. So when you're doing these tastings, you, you spit it back out. But I mean, there got to be times where you, you, you just want to enjoy it, correct? And I mean, sure. you've you've got to build up. I assume that your tolerance is probably higher. And I'm not saying that you're- you got issues, or is everything Rutgers. okay at home? But it, as part of the profession, correct? I mean, you're probably built up a, a higher tolerance.
0: I don't have tolerance. I can't do more than like two glasses of wine before I'm. I feel completely toasted. So. Right.
2: I I probably do, but I I not because of like drinking tons of wine. I'm just I'm Irish and Russian, so like oh, you're fine. She's like that. Well, this it's is a question weird, I have
1: but... for you both. When you're on an airplane, is airplane wine? Decent or is it just like, is this something you should stay away from? Is it just like bottom of the barrel?
0: Really? (laughs) (laughs) Some of it's really good. A lot of the airlines actually have master sommeliers that are in charge of their beverage programs. And so some Mm -hmm. of them have like really quality Mm -hmm. selections. Um, like JetBlue actually has a real, Charlie Bird in New York, that whole hospitality group does both their food and their wine. And the wines are solid. There are things that like I would buy for myself.
2: It's actually been a while since I've been on an airplane. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I usually would just do like vodka soda just to be safe.
1: Okay. Yeah. So you stay away from <laughs> the wines.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I'll tell you what's odd is going from the teeter-totter to the Mazzatino, all of a sudden there was a definitely like a differential in taste as opposed to my first sip. And I assume I'm, to quote Ghostbusters, I'm crossing the streams now. Is that what I'm doing here? or <laughs>
0: Crossing yeah. streams, totally. Do you feel like the wines have changed or you just feel like because you're putting them side by side, they're tasting different?
1: I literally just took a sip of this and then I took a sip of this and I felt like, I don't know, maybe I got a high Oh, you like
0: blended them? <laughs> yeah. Then I took okay. a second
1: sip and now, uh, now I'm back to square one where I'm like, oh my God. No,
0: totally. I mean, this again wines is dangerous. like these are, they have a long finish. So if-
1: If you guys want to come over in just a little bit, I'm going to make some jello shots with these. So feel free. Afraid-
0: in the summertime, I make rosé ice cubes. That's the most basic That's thing I do nice, in life. Actually.
1: For reals? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah.
0: I pour rosé in ice cube trays and then that way my rosé always stays cold. And then I could also make it into Froze Age that I choose to be extra basic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is real life. It's hot in up Valley in the summer. And yeah. Froze is delicious.
1: I was going to ask you both, throughout the course of your, uh, obviously, story profession and everything you've tried and tasted, do you appreciate, sometimes when you go to a fancy restaurant, right, you get this nice plate and you get two little bite-sized pieces of food. Yes. Yes. The the running thing in the comedy world is like what the fuck is this? This is ridiculous. I'm paying eighty dollars for this plate, you know. But I always thought that's about you know understanding the discerning tastes that go into just that microcosm of a bite. You're like, oh my god, this is really. I think you pay more attention to to what you're experiencing in that moment as opposed to just slugging it like it's a mozzarella stick. So over the (laughs) course of like having a discerning palate throughout the course of your professions, do you pay attention to taste a lot more in your everyday life concerning food, appetizers, salad, wine, sodas, whatever? I mean, are you just on a more educated plane? If I were to analogize this for a comic, my- Father and brother always say you never laugh at our jokes. It's like I know the best <laughs> comics I would never laugh at your <laughs> shit jokes. So when when people pr- kind of propose that to you, are you kind of in the same vein? Where you are like, guys, this is ridiculous. You just have an elevated education in terms of space and in terms of uh, appreciating yeah. your your taste. It's Does a, that make it's sense? A good
0: question. No, it's a really good question. I I will say it doesn't. I have a deep appreciation for all things, food, wine, soda, whatever. But it doesn't mean that I exclusively only want the expensive stuff. I think if anything, it actually makes me appreciate the Chick-fil-A sandwiches of the world a little bit more. Right. Like knowing food and knowing how flavor is is achieved. Mm -hmm. Like it's really difficult to get that level of detail in a chicken sandwich across the country, you know, made by a million different people. So, so yeah, Guy like, Fieri can...
1: is welcome in your household. You've been to Flavor Town, you appreciate Flavor Town. I... <laughs> you like a donkey sauce.
0: <laughs> Guy Fieri and his bleached tits can stay where he is. I'm all set. <laughs> <Okay>. Um, <laughs> but you're very in tune with your palate. Like, I don't think people have better or worse palates, mm-hmm. it's just I do pay attention to like all the things that I'm tasting because it it's interesting to me. I think just like maybe you would like pay attention to the anatomy of a joke. Like it's interesting to see how something came to be. And that's, you know, that drives my curiosity more sure. than anything. Like some people are really into studying the terroir and like, I love the geeky side, the academic side of wine. But for me, wine is all about flavor. And I'm interested in like how that all came to be. So I'm interested in like, like, why does it taste like a, a lemon versus a lime? Like, I that's very interesting. And then why does this wine have a longer finish? Why does this one um, texturally feel very different? And then, you know, the same with food. Like, how can you find those those parallels? And then also working with consumers so much. Like, I'm always looking for ways to speak to humans like they're humans mm-hmm. and not like they're interested in anything that I have to say on any sort of like geeky academic level. So I'm always looking for entry points in the way of Chick-fil-A sandwiches, I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, I, I, I guess that's probably part of the conundrum, right? Is that you're trying to convey an appreciation for taste in a layman's terms to the general public. But yeah. but wine by nature is kind of, it, it seems a little more posh, right? It seems a little totally. more a polo club and golf club and not speaking to the everyday people. But, but I think most everyday people do enjoy a nice glass of wine with a good meal. Yeah. I'd rather drink wine, to be honest with you, than having a cocktail before my food comes i'd i'd much rather do this
0: yeah wine traditionally has not been a very egalitarian beverage it's always been something that like the aristocracy enjoys and so but i think like as of late in the last 2 decades more specifically the last decade there because of of the of the advent of the internet and 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 information like sure. it has made it a lot easier for people to branch into it and start to gain more of an appreciation mm-hmm. by way of information um, so I do see, you know, those, those, that sophistication at like poshness sort of like being taken down a notch and you see it in like restaurants. Like, mm-hmm.
2: yeah, I, I will say there too, that like, even, you know, I, I don't ever knock people who buy wine at the grocery store or something no. like that, because actually like things, they may not be the most full of personality or fascinating wine you've ever had, but like wine has gotten very, it's much more easier to make really well-made wine these days. So Mm -hmm. you can get, you know, a really well-made wine at the grocery store. So I think like at all levels, there's enjoyment to be had, you know, for sure you can get uber fancy and spend a ton of money. Um, and that's great too. But I also feel like, Hey, you want to drink a $6 wine? Hell go for it.
1: You know, it's kind of my next question for you is the accessibility to, to wine that much more in the present day, as opposed to even 30, 40, 50 years ago
2: absolutely yeah there's so much more available now yeah than there ever was we definitely used to be more cocktail country in terms of what people were drinking and it's it's shifted for sure over the last you know 10 20 years because we're what we're like we're the number one wine consuming country in the world now yeah oh the u.s wow okay yeah
0: Mm -hmm. americans are drinking are drinking more wine um this could also be a function of like the amount of people
2: here but sure Um, We're consuming the most amount of wine, like if as a country, we're consuming the most in the world. And
1: I assume that's probably the last twelve months. Is that correct?
2: (laughs) 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 Um, It's definitely, it's definitely people are down in the wine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: Essentially, an entire Grateful Dead song. We've been in this pandemic (laughs) and all that stuff, but I assume wine sales, alcohol sales, have skyrocketed throughout the course of this stuff,
2: right? Yes, particularly online.
0: It's insane. I mean, the, the amount of wine that people are drinking is just. It's great. I mean, I love seeing it, but, you know, more people are drinking wine than ever. And I think that is a result of being home and, you know, not able to I, go anywhere.
1: I want to ask one question because it was mentioned that the Massetino, for example, was to be more of a restaurant wine as opposed to at an at-home mm-hmm. wine. And I, mm-hmm. I wanted to ask it, but I, I felt stupid. But now I feel like I've had enough wine to ask it. Um, what did you mean by that? Because I would assume yeah. that if you like a wine, you would have it at home or a restaurant. Or is there... A, a discerning difference?
2: No, it's a really good question. So, it really comes from the producer, from the winery, and their intent for the wine. So, right. there's been, um, in some cases, this um, notion that having wine on certain prestigious wine lists is much more sort of valuable in building a brand versus having it available oh, at retail. Okay. All right. Um and so some producers sort of have operated very, you know, along this vein where they they want the wine to be we call it on premise in a restaurant versus off premise an exclusivity to the, to the to right.
1: the product, yeah. Right.
2: But yeah. we've seen a lot of that change. And I think the smart producers, the smart wineries, because of the pandemic and things having to shift, have realized that, hey, like there are a ton of people who really also want this wine and you don't have to think about it so traditionally anymore. You can you can put it in avenues that that they wouldn't have considered prior to COVID. Wow. Yeah. OK, that's something I,
1: I just would have never thought about. But
2: that's yeah, pretty interesting. that's yeah. sort of
0: like inside baseball. But yeah, it's sort of like the way that movies used to just only go to the theaters and then now they're all coming Good to analogy. Netflix yeah. and yeah. Amazon and DVDs. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah.
1: I, I will, I, I'm proud to say I finished my Masatino. I'm going wow,
2: back. Wow. I'm so proud. I'm going to
1: teeter back That's to my great. totter and go back over okay. here.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so I have a question for you which is if you're going out let's say you're just like you know you go to the the grocery store or whatever you're you know just picking some stuff up like do you try to make people laugh all the time or do you kind of turn it on for your shows
1: No not at all I think like when you're doing stand up comedy that is a specific Look, if you do comedy outside of a comedy club, it's annoying, basically, is what it it comes down to. It's just like if you're talking off the cuff and you're having fun and spontaneous, then that's okay. But if you're doing bits in everyday life, I find it off-putting when my friends are doing bits for me and they're comics. I'm like, dude, we're off the stage. Like, turn it off. Um, I, I think there are comics also that are just funny in their bones. There's- People like Nate Bargatze, who's just naturally funny. Kathleen Madigan, naturally funny. Godfrey, naturally funny. And there's other people, <laughs> I don't want to say their names, but you get off stage, <laughs> it's like, we're off stage now. You can be normal, you know?
2: Turn it off. <laughs> um,
1: so I definitely try to turn it off. And to be completely blunt, if you put me in a social situation, I- I'm outgoing when I should be or, or need to be. But for the most part, like I talked to my friend Brian the other day about this. I've been flying for 23 years as a stand-up comedian. I've only had one conversation in my life on an airplane, just one, because normally I pull my hat down, I keep to myself. But there was an incident that happened that made me stay in this lane. I was at a store and this guy, were waiting in line. He goes, where do I know you from? And that's a horrible question, first off, because it's like, how would I ever know where, I kn- where you know me from? I don't know your experiences. Prison? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But he goes, where do I know you from? I go, I don't. Know where I, you know me from, and then I try to help me. He goes, "No, I know you from somewhere." I go, "Well, now this is where you get in trouble, right?" Because then it's like, "All right, now I'm bragging, right?" Am I am I humble bragging? Right. I go, "Well, I had a TV show on TBS." He goes, "No, that's not it." I go, "I've been on the Tonight Show <laughs> quite a few times." He goes, no, that's not it." I go, "I've been in some movies." He goes, "No." I go, "I had a special on Netflix." He goes, "No, no, no, no." And so I just kind of listed all my, all my <laughs> resume topics that somebody see. He goes, "You work at Geek Squad?" I was like, "Fuck it, I'm never talking about this shit. I'm never." <laughs> Never again, (laughs) never again will I ever try to help somebody discern where they know me from, so no. But that was the the worst experience (laughs) I ever had with somebody questioning was Colin and I were doing a show in Nashville together for this comedy festival, the Nashville Comedy Festival. We go to do this radio show to promote the the show. (laughs) The DJ was so excited to meet Colin. Colin, so you, you went to Harvard and you wrote for The Lampoon. Can you tell me about that? So Colin, of course, obliges. He goes, and then you were just a writer at SNL. Tell me about that. Sir so Colin tells him. And then you were on Weekend Update on Saturday Night Live. Tell me about that. Then he swivels his chair. We got two <laughs> minutes left in the interview. And he looks at me, he goes, so Steve, you're Mexican, right? I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I, I've never, no one's ever even thought of me as being Mexican. Wow. And I, I could not stop laughing. So to this day, Colin, big like, Steve, you're Mexican, right?
0: <laughs> wow! Best unintended joke ever. It was crazy. Um, no, definitely, definitely not. Would have been my that would have been my first guest. But um, now, interesting.
1: I want to ask on. you this one last question, okay? Because I'm asking, yeah. I think more questions.
0: This is your podcast now. yes. Than most
1: guests are. Yeah. Do you find that people are more accessible and open to you in conversation because of? a simple glass of wine and what they're willing I mean, to tell you and what they're willing to open up. And
0: this is like the whole point of the, yes. I mean, you just, you just, you've told us that uh, somebody called you a Mexican on this podcast. I think right, you yeah. answered your own question. <laughs>
1: I would just um, think that that's the greatest <laughs> icebreaker in the world. That no, you- it totally
0: is. And we talk about mm-hmm. this a lot. Like it's wine is definitely a, a backdoor of sorts to get into any sort of circle. You can talk to anybody about wine. One of my favorite parts about working in press is you would meet these people that were, mm-hmm. you know, very big celebrities. And all of a sudden the playing field is leveled because we're, we're all talking about wine. And maybe they know something, maybe they don't. But we all have something in common uh, in that moment. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, it's. It's the best. Wine is definitely like something that brings people together for conversation and and, uh, definitely opens them up for sure. (laughs) I think at the end of the day,
1: everybody, you know, no matter how big or how small you are, it doesn't matter. I think everybody is on an even playing field. And when you said that, it kind of triggered a memory. And I'll just share when uh, Colin and Scarlett Johansson invited me to this Avengers premiere where it was like all the films finally came together and Colin's like, do you want to go? I was like, fuck yeah, yeah. We go backstage and all the Avengers are together. Scarlett Johansson goes, "Uh, Robert, this is uh, our friend Steve. And Robert Downey Jr. puts his arm around me. He goes, where are you from, Steve? I go, I'm from Pittsburgh. And he starts talking to me about Pittsburgh. And we're just talking. And he's like, man, I love that town. I love that city. And he's bringing up all these memories he had of Pittsburgh. And I just thought, wow, what a genuinely nice human being. And what happened was after the premiere, we went to this after party. Literally, it's all the Avengers and like Kevin Feige and Jon Favreau and the directors of the Marvel films. And it felt like me, like, and the staff, like everybody (laughs) you've ever seen. And then me and the staff and talk to uh, Robert's assistant after the premiere. I go, oh, uh, did Robert enjoy the film? He goes, he didn't see it. I go, he didn't see it. And at the time, this is when everything coalesced and the Avengers and it's so big and it's in the zeitgeist. He goes, yeah, he promised a kid he met in the hospital who um, has a cancer that he would watch it for the first time with this child.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: And I, I hate to speak out of school and I normally wouldn't, but I thought it was such a noble thing and it spoke so much of his principles and character that he held true to that promise. And I'm yeah. sure he did it, but he he was coming back to the after party later because he wanted to be respectful of the promise he kept with his kid. And I thought, what a great guy. Yeah. But at the same time, I think anybody put in that situation when you meet somebody who's very sick, you'd want to do the right thing. And I think most of us do, yeah. no matter whether you're here or whether you're here, I think we all kind of want to do that. I, I, would, I would hope so at least.
0: That's an amazing story. Yeah. Thank you. Wow. that's I didn't know that. Very sorry cool. if
1: uh, sorry robert downey jr it's this talk <laughs> I apologize,
2: but, but i think it's, it's a it's good that story time yeah. no where, it's a great story where everyone gets emotional you know yeah. you start just like you have a nice little buzz going and then yes. you're like i love you so much
1: guys let me yeah. tell you why my relationship with my wife doesn't fucking work okay yeah. <laughs>
0: Just bring her the wine. it will be fine. <laughs> yeah. um, well, Steve, I know you got a you got a lot going on. Uh, for those who uh, who want to see more of you, where they, where can they find you?
1: Uh, uh, usually Craigslist after three a.m. I'm um, on Misconnections. You can and, find me and there. Onlyfans. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <Yeah>, Only fans. Uh, <laughs> now everything I have is at Steve Byrne Live, and uh, the film I did, the opening act, it is coming out on a, on a streaming platform very soon. But you can rent it great. at the same time. And I'm torn. I guess red states until blue states open up.
0: All right. Well, we look forward to seeing you live and watching the opening act and all your great stuff that you have going. In the meantime, seriously, watch the opening act if you haven't. Uh, it's it's a great film. And
1: well, thank you. And and I yeah. since you've been so kind. In inviting me along and let me appreciate these wines next time you both are in Los Angeles or the area let me know and when things are open, I'll bring you to the comedy store I'll give you the full tour, the haunted tour Woo! all the crazy <laughs> stuff that's gone on and uh, you can rate the wines that they serve there and maybe give them Wait. some give them some advice as well for for the comedy store because I don't think that that's what they pay attention to but yeah, obviously you I don't
2: would think so. <laughs> oh, wow well, thank you, you. It's very, that's a very
0: generous offer we will definitely take you up on that mm-hmm. uh and hopefully you can buy us a shot of jameson
2: yeah that or would oh, 1942 1942 yeah now that it brought it up cats
1: out of the bag we'll do it for sure yeah exactly would love to
2: <laughs> oh my god are you okay i am i mean i have to say that little guest phone call i was like oh my god such a fangirl in that moment i was like <laughs> pinching you under the table <laughs> I was like, is this happening? Is this really happening? I'm
0: texting on my phone like, oh my god, Vince Vaughn just called in. Um, That was wild. I cannot believe that just happened. I cannot believe how funny he was even after my experience with him at the comedy store. He was so hilarious and wonderful just talking to this podcast. i even more fan than I think I was before if that was even possible.
2: I completely agree. And I have to say he totally got me twice. I'm so naive where I thought he was like really into what I was saying, but he was just getting ready to make fun of me. So it's okay. I'm good. I'm good.
0: (laughs) He set us up. It's okay. That's what comedians do. Um, I have nothing else to say. We left it all out on the table. So wines today, I think we chose right. Yeah. Despite the fact that the teeter-totter was absolutely delicious. The Massettino. I mean, my goodness.
2: Yeah. It's just I know I love teeter-totter always. It's such a consistent, delicious wine that over-delivers. But man, the massetino I agree. Today, it was just absolutely singing. It's not something that I drink all the time. I would like to. Um, so yeah. Oh, you don't
0: drink $300 bottles of wine all the time, Vanessa? You know,
2: um, <laughs> it's not in my budget just yet, but my CEO is listening. Um, take note. Uh, no, I don't. I don't. Uh, but it was price tag aside, it's just enchanting. I I absolutely love this wine.
0: Ooh, I like the word enchanting. Yes, I think (laughs) enchanting is an apt description of this wine. I was shocked how delicious it was even so young. These were both 2018s, so super young to be drinking these wines. However, I think it speaks to the quality of these wines. I think it speaks to just how delicious they're going to be at any stage in their life. And if they're this delicious now, I can't even imagine what they're going to be like in 10, 15, 20 years.
2: Agree. Agree.
0: Well, the Masatino is a little bit of a, an outlier for Wine Access in that it is sort of hidden uh, in in the special trove that is Laura Coffers. So where could people find the Cheetah Chatter and the Masatino if they wanted to?
2: Well, of course, WineAccess.com is where you can find them. You can follow us on Instagram at Wine Access, on Facebook and the Wine Access Experience. And of course, I think you posted about Laura's kind of secret mm-hmm. stash, right? Yep. You want to engage with us on Instagram? Sometimes we post things there that are only available for those that DM us. So uh, another reason to follow.
0: Yeah, no. And when we talked with Amari, the wine that we did with him, the Gigal, that was also, I think, part of the secret stash. So yeah, uh, please shoot us a DM on Wine Access or Wine Access Unfiltered Instagram if you're interested in being connected with Laura for that wine. Uh, The teeter-totter is available on Wine Access because I just bought it for a friend. I love this wine (laughs) and I love gifting it. And then as far as the Wine Access Unfiltered podcast, if you want to catch little clips, and I hope that you will want to because it was hilarious, uh, video clips of what just went down. You can follow us at Wine Access Unfiltered on Instagram or at Wine Access Pod on Twitter. And if you are feeling like you really loved this and you want to give us a round of applause, well, we would certainly appreciate a five-star review and a subscribe on this podcast. It really, really helps us out. And helps other people find our show. And that's sort of the goal is to just share wine and have great conversations with as many people as possible. Thank you so much, Vanessa. I hope uh, you're on cloud nine, just like I am. And we'll just float out of here with our wine and our hopes and our dreams. And um,
2: fingers crossed, we'll run into Steve again soon. I hope so. Thanks for having me as always, Amanda. Cheers. Cheers.